we're here um, talking about live like you were dying. I love the words of that song because this guy, you know, here at Church Triumphant, if anybody ought to have a grip of how, how frail and how fleeting and how fast life can get away from you, it ought to be us by now. And you guys pray for me because I may not have a voice by the time this is over. I've been struggling with a sore throat for the last two days. And so I didn't think I'd have one by the time I got here, actually, by the time first service was over. So I still have one, so we'll keep trucking, okay? And, you know, life is a precious gift. Life is precious. Unfortunately, we don't treat it as such most of the time. We allow all sorts of other things and stuff to get in the way of really living. We allow things to get in the way. You know, we've conned ourselves into thinking we're going to be here forever. Why do we don't think that? But you live like that. You live like this is never going to end. You live like it's never going to change. You live like, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. You know what? None of us are guaranteed that ever, 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 ever. And you know what? We've got to start living like every moment, every second, every minute is precious. And God's given it to us for a purpose and for a reason. I, I, I read this, I found this quote last night. I was just kind of rehashing, going back over the message this morning, for this morning. And I found this, and it was just, it was, it was, it was, it, it, I thought it, it's appropriate. Listen to these words. Life is not a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but to rather skid in broadside, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaim, wow, what a ride. That's how it ought to be. You can clap as much and as often as you like. I don't mind. Now is the time for us to live. And I don't mean just exist. I mean really, really live. You know what? We, 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 I, I want to remind you just, just for, for a quick second that you, you don't have any guarantee of tomorrow. You, are not, you, you have not the capacity to control whether you will be even able to be back at this church next Sunday morning. You don't have the ability to control whether you can even get to work tomorrow or even make it home today. And I know that sounds scary. I'm not trying to weird you out. I'm just trying to be real and honest with you. Psalm, turn with me to Psalm 39, 4 through 7. Do you guys have a cheat sheet? Everybody get a cheat sheet? You thought I'd make a cheat sheet so you can follow along with me? Does everybody get one? Because I, I, I was away for a few days this week and got a little bit behind on some things, and so I didn't get, we didn't get those in the bulletin, so I want to make sure. Psalm 39, 4 through 7, listen to this. Lord, make me to know my end, the psalmist writes. And what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am? Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths. My age is nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state, at his best state, is but a vapor. And you'll find this one little word there. It says salah. It's a Hebrew word, and basically all it means is stop a minute, take a breath, and think about what was just said. So just think about that for a minute. At your best, you're but a vapor. At, a, at your best, without Without Jesus, without Christ, at your best, your life is but a vapor. And he says, surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain and they heap up riches and does not know who will gather them. And verse 7 says, now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. My hope is in you. You know, it's awesome that our hope is in God because he is not limited. He is limitless. It's, it's good that our hope is in him because he is not mortal. He is eternal. It's good that our hope is in him because where we are bound, he is free. It's good that he, our hope is in him because, you know what? We are finite and he is infinite. The word finite means this, having definite or definable limits and having a limited nature or existence. I told the first group, listen, we do, we do these things in premarital counseling called personality profiles. How many of you have ever had a personality profile? Anybody? The one we use here at the church is, is, is called the DISC profile. There's four major 
personality profiles, D-I-S-C, there are the letters that, 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 that denote your particular personality profile. My mind, my mouth is getting caught up with my tongue. And the S, the S personality, how, how, many, how many of you have taken the test? How many of you are S's? How many S's are in the building? Okay. How many, how many of you actually took the test? I want to see. How many of you are S's? Okay, usually 64% of the population turn out to be S personalities. Let me explain to you what an S personality is. An S personality is somebody who, who, who needs everything to be very secure. They need everything to be kind of everyday routine-ish. Okay? You get, you get up every morning about the same time. You put your clothes on in the same order. You know what I mean? Like the shirt has to go on first, then the pants, then the socks and the shoes, and you don't deviate from that. And then you go to the bathroom, and you go through the same procedure in the bathroom. You brush your teeth, shave, fix the hair, do whatever. And then you have your breakfast. Usually it's the same breakfast every week, like shred, or every morning, like shredded wheat or oatmeal or something like that. And then you, you drive the same route to work every day, on the, and you don't deviate from that. And, you, and then you get home, and do the, you go through the same routine after you get home. You have dinner. I got, I, got, I got an S personality. One of my daughters is an S personality. And twice in this last week, she's told us this. She said, but I usually eat at that time, and we won't have a chance to eat. Usually I eat by noon, Dad. It's 1230. We've not eaten yet. And her S is just, and see, her life can be very defined because she does certain things at certain times in certain ways. It can become very limited, and all of us are like that. Actually, I have a, I have a bit of S in me. I, I'm, I'm predominantly an I, which means I'm just like totally people person, party animal, wherever there's a crowd, I just want to be there. But at times, my S personality kind of creeps up on me. I got an, I got, I'm an IS. My S is the, dom- my I is the dominant, my S is the next thing. And so sometimes I feel really schizophrenic because eyes are very, very, very like fly by the seat of your pants. Whatever happens, let's just roll with it. And then my S goes, no, no, we got to stay with our routine. And I feel very... <laughs> My, my uncle sent me this, this, this email this last week, and we just laughed and giggled. It was, it was like a whole list of, of things or like could be T-shirt, you know, slogans, you know what I mean? They had like little mock T-shirt things on the email, and you went down the thing. And there, was a, there was a bumper sticker on one of them. Some of them were bumper stickers. There was a bumper sticker, and it said this. It was, it was a riot. It said, I related so much because I was just like, wow, it feels like me a lot of the time. He said, it says, I'm schizophrenic, but at least I have each other. You know, and, and sometimes I feel like that, that, that both sides of me are, are competing, you know, and, but at least I got both of us, you know. And, and, but we're very defined. We're very limited. We're very, we, as, a, as, a, as a whole, in general, in general saying, some of you are Ds, which means you just drive, you go all day long, all day long, all day long get something done. Bah, bah, bah. Some of you are Cs, which means everything's got to be done perfectly and in order and, blah, 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 and don't touch it and it's got to be, and everything's not just right. We're not doing it. We're not going there. And so, but we can define, we can see we can define our lives by those, even by those things. We can even develop limits because of those you know, connotations and, and those categories of our lives. And so our lives are very finite, they're very limited. Our, our existence is very confined. We cannot control the circumstances by which we came in or by which we leave, usually. We can, but then that would be very wrong because then life would be a precious gift. Am I right? And so, all our lives are limited and definable. Psalm 89 says this, Remember how short my time is. What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? The answer is no. Job 9, 25, Now my days are swifter than a runner, Job writes. They flee away. They see no good. They pass like swift ships, like an eagle swooping on its prey. Life is just moving, and you can't keep up with it, and you're letting, you let it get away from you. Life is very limited. Life is very fleeting. Life gets by very fast. I understand as you get older, it moves even faster. I mean, I, my 20-year high school reunion is like next month, and there are days I still feel like I'm still like kind of there. I haven't grown up out of some things. And yet I look back and it's been 20 years. I spent more time out of school than I spent in school. And that fries my circuits. I still have a lot of learning to do. You know what I mean? And so you think about that and you go, wow, life is so finite. Life is so limited. But here's the thing. Because we have 
the character of God in us. You know, uh, we as human beings, we are created in the image of God, right? He took us of the dust of the ground. He breathed into us his very own breath. He formed us and shaped us. And he said, let us make man in our image. The God had got together and said, hey, let's do that. And so there's something on the inside of us that says, you know, just mere existence just ain't cutting it. They're, they're, we're limited. We have a desire for greater things than just merely existing, merely just living. You know, some of us, we want more than just existence. We want exhilaration. What are you talking about, Aaron? How many of you have been to like a amusement park this summer? Anybody who's been there? Amusement park, anybody? Water park? How many of you guys like, you know, have just revved your engine and gone over to Spilon just because you could? There's my point. We don't want existence. We want exhilaration. That's why we ride those big stinking roller coasters. They take us way up in the sky, and we don't know if we're going to make it to the bottom, and yet the blood starts pumping, things start happening. Yeah! You know, you can, uh, my favorite ride at King's Island is Drop Tower. It used to be called Drop Zone. Everybody, 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 everybody rode Drop Zone, Drop Tower? Oh, my goodness. They take you. I, I am petrified of heights. I am scared. I don't like ladders. I don't like, ask, ask Patrick. He's tried to work with me on a couple occasions, and we've done some work together, and he's like, Aaron, just let me do that, please, because I'm just like, I've gone rappelling with Dow, and we've gone down like a 60-foot cliff. And I look at Dow and go, what in the world am I doing up here? He'll say, Aaron, don't look down and just go. Okay. <laughs> then by the time I get to the bottom, I'm like, yeah, let's do it again. It's like staring fear in the face going, right that drop tower and you circle up the thing, you know. Yeah, slow. Boom, like that, and then the bottom drops out. And I get down, I get, I get off, and I go, yeah. I look at my wife like, let's do that again. Yeah. I love that. I don't know why, because I hate heights. I hate ladders. I hate, But I would do that over and over. You get up there, you look, you're looking down on the Eiffel Tower, you know, on the observation deck of the Eiffel Tower. You're like, oh, that is awesome. We want exhilaration. We want something more than just existing. We desire more than just sufficiency. For those of you who are C personalities, you understand where I'm coming from. Because doing something just sufficient enough to get it done ain't good enough for you. Let's just, you know, you're like, no, it's got to be right. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be, we've got to get all the thing. You want satisfaction out of knowing you've done something and you've done something well. You've done it to the best of your ability. You can get it done. You, we, we want more. We want more than just involvement. We want to have an impact. My wife just got an email this week from a girl that used to go to church here. We haven't seen and really talked to much in years. I looked over at my wife. She was sitting on the couch. Tears are streaming down her face. This girl said, I've been wanting to call you for like three years, and I just have never done it. But I want to say thanks because of things you did. My life is different now. And I just realized suddenly God has placed another girl in my life who was just like I was when I was a teenager. And you ministered to me, and my life is different now. And things could have been so much different, but you stepped in, and you had an impact on my life. And my wife is just bawling and bawling. That's what all of us want. We don't want to just kind of halfway be involved in something. We want to do something that's going to make a difference. We want to be a part of something that's going to radically change the life of the people around us. We want something like that. And if we don't, I would even wonder if you're even a Christian because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be healed. He hid. I'm going to lose my voice. Lord, in the name of Jesus, no. You are the salt of the earth. He said it about you. And so if you're a Christian, you should have a desire that, man, just to be involved is not good enough. I want to have impact. I want it to mean something. We want more than just the status quo. Am I right? We want something significant to happen in our days, in our times. It's up, it's up to us to take what Jesus has given us and run with it. We need to transfer from the blah to bull riding and Rocky Mountain climbing, buddy. We need to transfer out of that meh existence and that just, that just getting by mentality and say, you know what? God's got something big planned for me. God's something, got something big planned for my family. He's got something big planned for my church, for my community, and I'm going to be right smack in the middle of it. We need to, to get there. And the only way we can get there, you know what's amazing to me? <clears throat> I started thinking about this. We, we drove home <clears throat> this week and ended up on the Blue Ridge Parkway. <clears throat> 
my wife and I took our kids and we, 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 we ventured off the beaten path, so to speak. We could have just made a beeline home, zoom, hit I-64 and just zoom, got there. But we kind of ventured off the path and up the mountains to the Blue Ridge Parkway. What's amazing to me, we will go do tourist attractions because of the heights of things in the physical realm. We'll go see the mountains. We'll go to the Rocky Mountains. We'll go skiing. We'll go up there and we'll get to see stuff. Dow will go down to, I rode over that thing this weekend, the New, River, the New River Gorge. Dow will go down that thing and go 986 feet straight down on a piece of rope. Wow. You know what I mean? And we'll go, we'll go look for things like that to happen. We'll go, to, we'll, we'll go try to find stuff like that to bring life. I mean, the view up there was just unbelievable. I'm up on top of those mountains, 3,000 some odd feet straight up in the air, looking down over the valley. It was unbelievable. Look at God's creation. And yet at the same time, what we do as Christians, and spiritually speaking, a mountain stands in front of us. We're like, oh, great, a mountain. Oh, no. And we start looking at them as obstacles instead of opportunities for God to show himself to us. I had somebody walk up to me after the first service, and she said this. She said, I was reading a book. There was a quote in there. She said, I just want to stand up and scream while you were preaching first service. And I said, what was that? She said, she said the, the, the climb of the mountain may be very difficult, but the view out there is unbelievable. It's time for us to start looking at those things in life that stand like mountains. Let's start doing some rocky mountain climbing, people. Let's overcome some things. Let's get over stuff. Let's start looking at those things that are, that are, that are vicious and fearful and, and, and mean like a bull and decide we're going to strap on, we're going to grab a hold of the reins, we're going to hang on as long as we possibly can. Let's get, let's get out of the blah. Let's get over into the life Jesus has for us. John 10.10 says, that Jesus came. He said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. This, the New Living Translation says the same thing, that last part of that verse like this. My purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. The message reads it like this. I came so they may have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Those are Jesus' words. In the, the Bible knowledge commentary, you'll find this. But Christ has come to benefit the sheep. He gives life which is not constricted but overflowing. The thief takes life. Christ gives life to the full. And, and one of the other commentaries I read, it says this. When you go through the door, you receive life and you are saved. You go in and out. You enjoy abundant life in the rich pastures of the Lord. His sheep enjoys fullness and freedom. Jesus not only gave his life for us, but he gives his life to us right now. Life, scripturally speaking, has a definition. It doesn't, it's not, when, whenever you see the word life in scripture, it's not talking just about mere breathing and, and walking and getting by. It means this. It's a state of one who's possessed of vitality or who's animate. It is of the absolute fullness of life which belongs to God. It talks of life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, a life devoted to God. Whenever you see Jesus or the scriptures talking about the word life, he's not talking about just inhaling and exhaling and a heart pumping. Listen, I want to tell you something. This thing about being finite is just, it, 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 it's, I guess it's real to me again. I mean, I, Saturday, Friday night we got home. And as soon as we got home, I realized that the grass needed mowed. So I hurried up and unloaded the car and threw all the luggage in the house and then jumped on the mower and trying to beat the daylight, you know, trying to hang in there and get it done before, before it gets dark and just have it out of the way. And my wife went, home, went in, unpacked everything, but the kids, you know, and, stuff away. We did all that kind of stuff. And she, she did her normal routine. Grabbed her little computer thing and jumped on Facebook. How many of you guys are Facebook junkies? We'll pray for you later. It is a ministry. I've actually had two opportunities of ministry because of Facebook in the last week or so. And found out things I didn't know otherwise. And we were on there and one of my cousins posted a thing that one of my other cousins was at the hospital, was dealing with some heart issues, actually suffered some cardiac arrest. And so I go to the hospital, catch up in there. And when I get there, they're doing surgery on my cousin. And, and he's a cousin by marriage. He's married to my first cousin. And he, uh, 
It turns out a man 51 years old has already had one heart attack, has already fought one bout of cancer, had to be revived six times Friday night. 51 years old. His father passed away at the age of 54 from, from heart disease. And I went in to see him in ICU after the surgery was over. They found out, check this out, he, was, he had blockages, three blockages on one side, two blockages on the other, and he'd just been to see his cardiologist like a week, a week and a half earlier, had a stress test, everything looked fine. And he sat there in that bed in ICU, and he said, Aaron, the wake-up call. I said, yeah, absolutely. God must have a purpose. He can remember two times them using them paddles on him waking up about three feet off the, off the table. Got him so hard one time he about, he about bit his tongue in half. Listen, life is fleeting. I've been involved in too many things over these last couple of years that, that make me really appreciate the preciousness of life. Don't, don't any of you think that you're beyond this. Life is coming. Life is moving. You've got to jump on and roll. God's got a life for you that's not just existing. It's abundant and it's full. It's, it's, it's growing and it's animate and it's vigorous. You know, I was thinking yesterday, we were here at prayer meeting, and uh, our first month prayer meeting, and, and I hadn't really thought about using this passage of Scripture, and, 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 and it's not even in your notes or anything, but in 2 Kings chapter 7, there's a passage of Scripture where these, the nation of Israel is, is under siege. And they have, they're, they're hungry, they're suffering, Death and famine are rampant within the walls of, of the city. And the Syrians are outside waiting for them. And they're, in, they're stuck in a predicament where if they go outside the wall, they're dead. If they stay inside the wall, they're dead. They're looking death in the face every single day. And everybody's trembling and fearful and don't know what to do. And there were these four leprous guys in 2 Kings chapter 7, there were these four leprous men in there. And they came to, the, 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 day, the day before this happened, I'm about to lose my voice. The day before this occurred, the prophet, Elisha, had proclaimed that the, the, the siege would be alleviated by the next day. Thank you very much. And... The, 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 the captain of the, the, the guard there, the officer said, kind of laughed at him, said, yeah, whatever. That would really be a miracle if that could happen. And he said, look, you'll see it, but you'll not partake of it. The next scene we see are these four leprous men who sat at the city gate because they weren't allowed inside. They reasoned in themselves, listen to these words. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they, did, they said to one another, why aren't we just sitting here until we die? If we stay... We will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. The funny part about this story is nobody else had any tenacity to do anything. They were just going to sit. They were, they, were, they were content to sit in comfort, sort of, inside of the city. Don't want to move. Don't want to create any waves. Don't want to do nothing. They know they're dying. They're just kind of like, okay, whatever. They're just existing waiting for it to happen. And these four leprous men are like, dude, we got to do something. Let's just do something. Let's do anything. I don't care what we do. Let's just do something. And you know what? It would be through their hands the message of God's defeat of the Syrians would come. They go running to, this, to the camp of the Syrians. They walk in. There's nobody there. The scriptures say that God set up the armies of the Lord to them. They heard the chariots and they ran. They thought the Israelites had hired the Hittites to come fight for them. And they ran and they left camp and they got out of there. And all of a sudden these four leprous guys who, 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 who were about to die, just like the rest of Israel, are sitting eating and drinking and pulling in the spoil, the silver and the gold. And all of a sudden it dawns on them, maybe we ought to tell somebody about this. And they run back to town, and they tell them what has happened. And the king, and nobody believes him. Surely this is a trap, whatever. And they send five spies back. And the five spies go in and say, no, it's for real. We've, saw, we've, seen, we've seen their clothing on the roadway. They have jetted. They're out of here. And the people of Israel delivered, and they would have never known had not these four leprous guys decided, you know what, we're not just going to sit here and die. 
We may die in the process, but we're going to at least be doing something. We're not just going to sit and wait for it to happen. It would do us a lot of good as Christians to look around at the life around us and go, you know what? It looks bad. It looks really bad, but we're not just going to sit and wait for something to happen. We're going to get up. We're going to be about our Father's business. And if we die, we die, but at least we die doing something. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It could be that God may save us, but even if he doesn't, yet shall we still serve him. God's looking for somebody just to do something that's right, something that's powerful. He's looking for somebody to stand up and go, you know what? I'm going to live the life God has always planned for me. The Bible says he's known me before the foundation of the world. If that's true, he must have a purpose. I'm going to find it. I'm going to follow it through. Try to get out of that blase, blase life and come to Christ. He's the only way. He's the door. The only way you can experience that kind of life, the only way you can live up to your fullest potential is to come to Christ. That's it. The only way you can experience life to the fullest is satisfying. My wife and I were talking the other night, just thinking about, uh, like, like Michael Jackson. You know, they finally buried the guy. No, and we, they were they were they were talking about how messed up his life was. The guy had every stinking thing in the world, but he had no peace. He had no joy. He, he died because for years and years and years, he, his stuff had so ate him up, he could not sleep. And he was on such heavy pain medication just to sleep, such, such, such anesthesia and stuff just to help him sleep, that they finally, it just, they said, they, they finally just overdid it. Had to hire a doctor who lived with him all the time to administer the drugs to keep him. Listen, that's not life, people. He may have everything, but devoid of Christ, it's nothing. Do you get that? And you may have nothing, but if you got Christ, you have everything. And he's got life for you. He's got life available to you. He's got abundance that's ready for you. Maybe not in material things, but in spiritual and emotional and relational things, absolutely. And he will meet all of your need. You may, you know what? Abundance in the kingdom of God is, success in the kingdom of God, is God taking care of you to the point you can help take care of somebody else. That's the bottom line. God gives you to give. That's it. So if you have enough, you can live on it and disperse on somebody else. You're successful in the kingdom of God. I realize that's not the, 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 the thing of success in, in the world. you got to heap up and get riches and do all sorts of things and have the best car and the best thing and the best all that. But listen, it's not, it, it's not about all that. That stuff will just eat you up just as much as anything else. Time is a tool for us to bring life. Did you know that? It helps us measure things. It does not, it's not meant to confine us. It's meant to help us understand where we are and what we're doing. Time is a commodity given to us for the purpose of measuring both the duration and the value of our lives. Ephesians 5.16 says this, redeem the time because the days are evil. That's a New King James Version. New American Standard Version puts it like this, making the most of your time because, of the, days, because the days are evil. Message puts it like this, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Making the most. Jameson Fawcett Brown's commentary puts it like this. Watch the time and make it your own so as to control it. As merchants look out for opportunities and accurately, accurately choose the best goods, serve not the, listen to this, serve not the time, but control it. Command it, and it shall do what you approve. Those are strong words. In Matthew Henry's commentary, he says, it means to literally, it means to be to buy, buying the opportunity. It's a metaphor taken from merchants and traders who diligently observe and improve the seasons for merchandise and trade. It is a great part of Christian wisdom to redeem the time. Good Christians must be good husbands of their time. Take care to improve it, to do the best of purposes by watching against temptations, by doing, while, doing good while it is in the power of their hands, by filling it up with proper employment. You control the time by being active about your father's business. It should be said about all of us what Jesus said when his mother and father, his physical mother and father came looking for him. His natural mother and his stepdad, I guess, Joseph, came looking for him and they said, what have you been doing? He said, didn't you know I would be about my father's business? What, didn't you know what I'd be about doing? Listen, it should be obvious to all of us what we ought to be about doing. When somebody asks us, we should be able to say, you know what? I'm doing what God tells me to do. I'm being what God called me to be. I'm living life the way God wants me to live it. And these days are very evil. These days are not where we can just sit and be passive. 
The days that we live in will require us to step up and be heard. How, how far does that slide before we step up? How far does things, how bad do things have to get before we respond? See, it's funny to me, people in Scripture who were about the Father's business, they didn't respond to bad times. They were ready for them. Joseph was ready for the bad days. Jesus was ready for the bad days. Paul knew bad days were on the horizon. He lived every day, making most of every one of them. Peter got a grip after the, the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus that, you know what, I got to get on it. He started making the most at that point. He realized, you know what, I got to do something. I have not been where I need to be. And his life changed that moment in the, on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came upon him, and from that point on, he lived all of his life in the, in, in, with, in the scope of the resurrection of Jesus and the life that Jesus came to give. We need to do that. The funny part about living in the kingdom is this. It's paradoxical. In the kingdom, in order to live, you must die. Seems weird, doesn't it? Doesn't seem to make sense, does it? In order to live, you must die. We control our lives and try to determine our destiny. We can end up losing it. Mark 8, 35, Jesus says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life, the same word, the same life, Jesus was talking about in John 10, and the life that I now live, the life abundant and full, the life animated and vigorous, the life full of blessing. This guy seems very funny because the guy who wrote these words suffered imprisonment. He got beat up. He got all this. And he's talking about life being full and adventurous. He, did all, he ended up paying, paying the ultimate price to serve Jesus. He says, in the life that I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave him, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what? We're just at the beginning of this journey. Talking about how short life is. Life is short. We've got to make the most of every opportunity. This week, we said life is short. Live fully. It's time for us to stop seeing obstacles and start seeing opportunities. It's time for us to start thinking about how big and how bad our problems are and think about how great and how awesome our God is. It's time for us. I'm sorry. It's time for us to figuratively, figuratively take our life by the horns and say, you know what? We're going to ride this bull. I was talking to Todd Jones about the Financial Peace University class yesterday after prayer meeting. How many of you guys were there Wednesday night? Todd told me it was rough. Was it diff- How many would say it was difficult? Was it difficult for, for Wednesday night for you? How many just be honest to say it was difficult? It rough to look at, look at what you're looking at. Todd, Todd had the impression it was really, people were like, wow. Talk about budgeting. Can I tell you something? Todd told me that he, he asked everybody in, in the church that night to write down all the debt they possessed except for their mortgage payment, their, mortgage, their house payment. We have about, I don't know, we've, we've, we have about 40 families, 40 different households, I'll call it, who, who bought the kits and are participating in Financial Peace University. A couple people have taken it before and are retaking it. Of those 40 households, guess how much debt existed within those accumulatively? $1.4 million of debt. That's a hunk of change. And if you saw that that night and all of a sudden grief grabbed a hold of your heart because of where you were, don't shy back from that thing. Don't get in fear and think, man, we're never going to grab a hold of that bull by the horns, look it in the face, and say, you know what? I'm tackling this thing. I am crucified with Christ. I'm not looking at my finances the way I used to look at it. I'm looking at it through the way Christ looks at it. I'm going to operate the way God wants me to do. I want to experience life. I want to be full. I, want to be I don't want to be bound by anything. Grab a hold of that thing and refuse to let go. It's not, it's not easy. I'll be honest. It's not. It's not an easy, an easy task. 
Kevin and Shadra Jenkins allowed my wife and I to go away for the weekend. They had a timeshare. They had to get rid of some points and before they lost them. And we had a week of vacation left. So we're like, hey, if she still has it available, we'll take it. We went. And we sat for their, their, their sales spiel, you know. We did, it, we did it for Kevin and Shadra because if we, sit, if, if, if we went through it, they, get the, they, they, got, to, they got like a, a, like a $50 something on their, their maintenance fees or something. They don't even know it. So like, we'll do that for them. That's great. And they gave us like a free horse ride and stuff there at the resort and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. And so we let the girls ride horses. And so we sat through this thing. And the thing that drove me crazy, I sat in this video and I, wa- and I watched this, this video and they tried to sell you that you absolutely is a, a necessity, a requirement for you as an American. You must take a vacation. Oh, really? Somehow that never occurred to me that that was a necessity for life. I mean, I enjoy them, don't get me wrong. And then they begin to tell us how, you know, like if you spend this much on a vacation, over 30 years, you'll spend this amount of money on a vacation. And they begin to sell. And then they want you to, like, you got to buy today. Get it right now. Do it, you know. Blam. And I got to be honest, when they said, you know, we got 67 resorts you can choose from. And I saw like four of them on the Gulf Coast of Florida. I went, oh, wow. <laughs> yes, you know. And my flesh got all crazy acting there for a few minutes, and I thought, man, I can be in, vac- I can be in Florida like, like at least once a year, every year for the rest of my life. I can leave it to my kids. I can do it. My mind's are going, woo! You know, I started getting, and then I thought, wait a minute. And about halfway through the presentation, I started going, nah, something's not sitting here, you know, real well with me. And all of a sudden, I found myself getting really, I had to, I had to take my flesh and go, No. No, no, no. And I said, we're going to see what we can do to get you in this. And I said, well, okay. And he pushes these numbers in front of me. And I go, no thanks. He goes and gets a little buddy. Now what can we do? And I, I looked at Rachel after they walked away. And I said, listen, there aren't any numbers they are going to be able to offer us that are going to make me take this. You got to buy today, right? You got to buy today. You got all these perks. If you buy today, it's yours. Buy now and save. No, buy now and spend. That's the whole problem. I saw this Sears commercial. It says, life spent well at Sears. Okay, whatever. I'm not spending my life at Sears. Thank you very much. And I sat there and I thought, you know, I got to start. You gotta, this is the time for the flesh to be put down. The guy walks back to the end. I said, we're not doing this. It's not. I put, and he goes, well, here's what we'd like to do. And he's telling me some new numbers. And he's doing this thing. And it was funny because I remember it in my mind. And I looked down finally at the bottom of the list. He puts it 16.99% interest. What? Are you joking? No way. And I said, listen, you guys, you guys will not be able to bring me any numbers to maybe take this. There's just no way. And he looks at me. He goes, what are you saying? I said, listen, my wife and I have sat down together we have set some financial goals. We absolutely are not deviating from them. We have a friend of ours who absolutely was nice to us, allowed us to come here this week. But just because we came here this week doesn't mean we're ready to ruin the rest of our lives. We've got four kids we've put through college. We've got some other things we want to do, and we're absolutely staying focused. And you can see he's like, and here's the funny part about the, the company that, it, that he works for. The reason they're in business today is because they started buying stuff debt-free. They wouldn't buy it. I had the cash to pay for it. Now, they're trying to get me to go into debt to help them keep doing what they're doing. I said, honestly, we want to do what you guys have done. He's like, what? I went, you guys have bought this thing debt-free? I'd like, I'm not saying I would never buy it. I'm just saying I'm not buying it right now because I'm going to debt for it. He went, well, listen, we'll give you one more chance. If you buy this thing right now, you have a year to clean up on all these perks. I went, I said no numbers are going to work. And he went, you're serious, aren't you? I went, give me my voucher for the horses riding. Make sure Kevin and Shadow get their money, and I'm out of here. And I have to tell you, I have to tell you, it was so liberating. My wife and I got back in our van. We sat there, and we just looked at each other, and we just smiled. It was like, that felt so good to be able to go, you know what? No, I don't have to submit to everything everybody else does. I don't have to give myself to everything everybody else does. I can, I can live the way Christ will be doing and be completely free and liberated. I can, I can do that because he gives me the power to do that. I'm going to walk in the life he's given me. I'm going to crucify my flesh. I'm going to die so that I can live. It was awesome. And we haven't regretted it, not one bit. We have laughed and giggled, like, I don't know how many times. Like, that was, that was so cool. My wife said at one time before we were trying to buy a car, and this guy was telling us how we had to have this car, we had to have this car, we had to have this car. And Christiana was just a baby. 
And she's like, he's like, you, he says, I'm like, you mean to tell me you're going to let this car get away for you from $10 a month? And she said, listen, we got more than just this one building to be concerned about. We got this little girl, and as far as I'm concerned, we're done. And she scooped up my baby. And she walked out, and here me and the salesperson are sitting there sitting. I looked at him, I said, well, I guess we're done. I guess we're done. And, you know, it's liberating not to be submitted to the things everybody else finds themselves falling prey to. And you can only do that through the power of Christ. Listen, it's time for us to go skydiving. You know what skydiving is? You throw this backpack thing on your back. You walk to the edge of the door. You grab a hold of the door jam. You stand there and you look over the edge. You go, I don't know what's waiting. There's me, 12,000 feet of air and solid ground. Spiritually speaking, what we need to do is strap up with the equipment God gave us, grab a hold of the door jam, throw ourselves out into the things God called us to be and not be confined any longer. It's time for us to live like we know life is precious, like we know life is fleeting, like we don't have all the time in the world to get accomplished what God has for us. It's time for us to say, you know what, I'm doing that. I'm living fully, not according to what the world says living fully is. I'm living fully according to what God says is living fully. I'm going to do what God said for me to do. I'm going to put everything else aside. It's time for us. Here's the thing. You don't, you don't take back this thing called time. You know, you can't get it back, but you give it back. You give back your life, and Jesus reciprocates things back to you that have been lost, that have been destroyed, that have been delayed, that have been sidetracked, whatever. You give it back. It's time for us to, get, to give Christ control of all sorts of things in our lives. Maybe for some of you, it's your career and your vocation. Maybe today, you're like, man, this is just not, whatever's going on is just not satisfying. And you've, 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 you've sat on the, the verge of, man, should I go back to school? Should I do this? Should I do that? Man, here's what I'm telling you. If God says yes, the answer is yes. The ground may not be solid, but outside of the boat is where Jesus is walking. Grab a hold of the door jam and fling yourself out in there. Maybe some of you, it's your finances. Maybe things, other things have controlled you and your finances. And today's the day you know you say, you know what? I'm grabbing a hold of the door jam. I'm going to do things the way God called me to do. I'm going to live the way God's called me to live. I'm not going to be submitted to that anymore. That deadness, that, that, that have-to-have syndrome, that all that kind of thing. I'm just doing that. Maybe for some of you today, it's, it's your hopes and dreams. Maybe some things have dashed your dreams. Maybe some things have, have dashed your, your, your destiny. And you think, man, I don't even know what I'm doing, where I'm going. Today you grab a hold of the door jam of life and sling yourself through and say, Jesus, I'm going where you want me to go. I'm giving you back control. I can't control it anyway, really. It's all yours. Maybe for some of you today, it's your children. Maybe your children have just got completely like, you're like, I don't even know where they are and what they're doing. I don't know what's happening and I can't do anything about it. And you've, you've been worried and fearful and you say, Jesus, I'm giving them back to you. I'm going to stop allowing this to eat up my, my hope and my faith. I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to live my life in the light of your glory and trust you to take care of all that. I'm going to fling myself out of the, out of the airplane. I'm going to do some skydiving with you, Jesus. Maybe some of you today, there's maybe some physical conditions and circumstances and, and healing like you just can't, you, there's things you just can't, you can't handle anymore. You've tried to do everything you know to do. You're like a lady of the issue of blood. You've, you've spent all your money. You've gone to every doctor. You've done all that stuff. And it's just time to go, you know what, Jesus? My life is yours. I'm giving it to you. You got this. I know you have it. I'm going to let you walk it out. Let you take care of it. I'm going to be right there beside of you, Father. Time for us to, to realize, you know what? Life is short, so we've got to live fully. Life is short. Next week, we're going to talk about loving completely. And life is short, so we've got to be looking eternally. Those will be our next two weeks. But right now, we can talk about living fully. Maybe there's been something in your life that's just hampered your freedom, your ability, your, your liberty. And maybe you said, I'm living, I'm breathing, but it's not very full, and it's not very satisfying, and it's not very, I'm maybe sufficient, but it's not significant. I mean, I'm kind of involved in life. I'm doing things, but it's really not having any impact. I've lost the exhilaration of walking with Jesus, or maybe I've never had it. Listen, God has more plans for you than you have for yourself. He's got more things planned for you than you ever dreamed of. The Bible says, 
It hasn't entered into our hearts. It's not entered into our minds, the things he's laid up for those who love him. But Christ, he will reveal them to us by his Holy Spirit. So you want to start tapping into that. It's time for you to come to Christ. Just please stand with me. Ooh. to do something that I normally don't do, but I just feel kind of let the Lord to do that. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. And if you'd say, you know what? Father, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just keep my head kind of down too. My life, I've not been living life as if I realize it could be gone tomorrow. I've not treated it, treated it as valuable. I've not treated it as precious. Jesus, I don't even know you, and I, I realize I can't even have the life that you've planned for me if I don't have you. I can't live life fully unless I have you. If you'd embrace the person of Christ today, he'd embrace you. You've messed up. We all have. Things have been delayed. Things have been sidetracked. But he says, you know what? I still have hope for you. I still have life available to you. I still want to give you. If you'd say, you know what? I need that. Involvement of Jesus in my life. I realize I'm sinful. I realize I'm messed up. I realize that I don't, I'm not sufficient. I am very limited, but Jesus, you're not. Your grace is bigger than all my sin. Your love is bigger than all my trash. Your heart is bigger than all my stuff. Lord Jesus, I want to embrace you today. I want to live that life that Aaron's been talking about. Just respond to him by raising your hand. If you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, it's not, uh, this is not full and this is not satisfying and maybe, just maybe you realize you've gotten yourself into a world of hurt because you've not crucified yourself, uh, you've not crucified, uh, you've not been crucified with Christ, you've decided just, you've, you've served him but you're just like, you know, you've kept power of your life to yourself and you're like, you know what, this isn't cutting it anymore. I want to be out there on the, on the water with Jesus like Peter. I want to stand before the giants like David and not be worried about my life. I don't want to stand in front of that fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Lord, I need to tap into that fullness and to be bold about what you've planned for me, what you've got for me. Father, you see these hands around this building. And Lord, my heart, Jesus, is that you would reach them where they are. God, some of them have deep and difficult trials they've got to overcome. Lord Jesus, Father, if you touch a life, a life is forever changed. Lord, if you do work, God, it's complete and it's, it's fulfilling and it's satisfying. Lord, your word tells us what we entrust to you, you'll be faithful to take care of until the day of your appearing. And so, Jesus, right here, right now, God, we have people's lives who want to say, you know what, Lord, take me, use me. I, want to ride, I don't want to ride into heaven safe and well-preserved. I want to ride into heaven skidding in broadside well used and worn out and say, wow, what a ride. Lord Jesus, meet your people here. Holy Spirit of God, where they've got dry and weary and tired. Lord, I pray that this morning in this place, you would breathe into them fresh and new, the breath of life that you breathe into man in Genesis chapter one. And Lord Jesus, let them experience the life that you, get, that you intend for them. Lord, I pray, Jesus, they would be willing to take on the bull and ride it and hang on for all their worth, Jesus. I pray, God, they'd be stop seeing mountains, God, as, as, as obstacles and begin to see them as opportunities for you to show their, your greatness in their life. That God, they'll stand on top of the mountain and catch the view and see things more clearly because, God, you've, you've walked them through that. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that today they grab a hold of the side of the doors and say, Lord, I'm flinging myself out into the air. Please catch me, Jesus, and help me to, to, to walk in your ways and to know your truth. Lord, I pray, Father, that today many of them, Jesus, would know your calling. Lord Jesus, I pray that today you would crystallize a calling in their life, Jesus. Father, maybe it's a career thing. Maybe it's a vocational thing. I don't know, Lord. But Jesus, suddenly I just felt your spirit say, yes. Lord, those who are teetering on whether to serve you completely or to stay where they are, Lord, I pray that teetering would end and they'd hear your voice and they'd respond to you, Jesus, and they'd walk in your path. Lord Jesus, you have called us to not just exist. You've called us to live. 
And Lord, I pray, Jesus, that would happen all over this place. Father, when the disciples were in their most difficult time, you appeared to them in a room and you breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And from that point on, God, their lives were never the same. They were a great adventure, a great journey for you, Lord, and they never turned around. They never went back, God. And I pray for these here right now that this, this day, Jesus, they would find you standing in front of them and they would feel your breath upon them and they would feel the breath of life being breathed into them, Lord. And today would be the last day they would look back with regret. Today would be the last day they'd look back with, with sorrow. And today they'd say, I'm moving forward. I am walking with Jesus. I am living like life is precious, like I only have a short time here. I'm gonna make the most of it. Lord, I pray that today they would redeem the time. They'd buy it back by giving themselves to you, Jesus, and allowing you to do whatever you wanna do in their lives. Jesus, you are gracious and powerful. You are strong and sufficient, Jesus. We bless you and we honor you and we give you praise and we give you thanksgiving because your life is satisfying, Lord. Your life in us is fulfilling, God. Your life through us, Jesus, will lead us on a journey that will be amazing and powerful and exhilarating, Jesus. Lord God, help us to take each day and live it like you've only given us that day. Second Corinthians, Lord says, today is the day of salvation. Let us walk today as saved people, not as people who are wavering back and forth, not as people who are weak and frail, but people who have the power of the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of us, Jesus, and walking with you and knowing you, Jesus. God, do your work. Show your power through this people, Lord. We bless you and we love you, Father. In Jesus' name. If you have need this morning, Brian and